from Outside Magazine. This is the Outside Podcast. If you don't already live on a farm, I'm going to bet that you dreamed about living on one in recent years. It's just been something that seemingly almost everyone has been imagining. Even with those roosters. This is partially because of that awesome documentary, The Biggest Little Farm. But mostly, it's because of the pandemic, which freed many people from their ties to the cities. If you can live anywhere and work remotely, why not a farm? But for some of us, the yearning to grow things and to raise animals from birth is about a lot more than just an idyllic pastoral lifestyle. For Outside Magazine's September-October issue, journalist A.C. Shilton wrote about her adventures on a plot of land in the southeast and why she did exactly what farmers are not supposed to do, get emotionally attached to their livestock. Oh, hi, Juliet. Hi, baby girl. Producer Patty O'Connell spoke with A.C. about her relationship with two little creatures, that had a very big impact on her life. What? As a teenager, you know, I was a weird horse girl. You weren't, like, pretending to be a horse, like, galloping, oh. like, towards school or anything like that. Oh, Patty, of course I was. Absolutely. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I was absolutely, like, the tween girl with, like, her other best friend tween girl who also loved horses galloping around pretending to be a horse. Because, like, I lived in suburban, you know, D.C. area where horses were not common. So we had to kind of make our own. You guys were, like, doing your, like human horse Absolutely. pretending dressage. There's a lot of like jumping over things. Yes. Okay. Oh my gosh. This is totally normal. I had <laughs> lots of dates. I was so popular. Absolutely. That's I'm... it. We're ending there. Oh, that's good. that's going to be the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. That was the start of my conversation with A.C. Shilton, who, along with being a little bit different as a kid, is one of the most interesting people I've ever talked to. A.C. is a journalist and investigative reporter whose career has sent her all over the country. But before that, she was many other things, and her interests have splintered in so many exciting and different directions, it seems like at 38 years old, she isn't living one life, but several. For instance... A.C. the writer is also A.C. the farmer, like an actual real-deal farmer. She bought a farm in Tennessee a few years ago, which has made her inner stuck-in-suburbia child very happy. Okay, I think we've established that I was a weird kid, but beyond the weird kid thing, very early it became pretty clear that, like, I loved animals. I will do anything to be around animals. Unfortunately, I was an extremely allergic child, uh-huh. so we couldn't actually have any animals. And so... All of my childhood imaginary play was formulated around animals and farms in particular. Here I am, this like kid who was like totally born into the wrong landscape, right? I often tell the story of like my dad being like, can you go rake the leaves? And like, I feel like most kids would be like, ah, God, dad, I hate yard work. And I was like, this is so great. I am totally feeding my horses. I am cleaning the sheep pen. And like, meanwhile, like my sister was like very much an indoor kid and like, like to read books and like, you know, more traditional, like play with dolls and all of 
those things and us like, don't mind me, just feeding the chickens. (laughs) (laughs) That desire to be close to the land and to animals, it was always there. Do you find yourself going into a new experience that you operate under the idea that everything is going to be good, I'm going to be taken care of, this is going to turn out okay. This is complicated because I also am an extremely anxious person. Like when we did turkeys for Thanksgiving a couple years ago, like I just, you know, spent a lot of time being really anxious about those turkeys, but it wasn't until I was like well into the process that the anxiety set in. So I think maybe my problem is that like, you know, yes, at the outset, like, everything's going to be great. Like, I know I can do this, right? And then I get into the process and I'm like, what if my turkeys all die? And I have to call everybody individually and be like, I'm so sorry Thanksgiving is canceled, right? So, um, so yes, I've, I guess I am an optimist. I definitely think that, like, you know, I jump into things with, like, how bad can it be? And then, and then I get into it and I'm like, oh, it can be fucking bad. Am I allowed to curse? The fact that AC's life, career, and... <clears throat> conversations jump all over the place is something that she's always figured was just part of her personality. But then, recently, she was diagnosed with ADHD, which helped explain some things, though not just in the ways you might expect. AC believes that the condition has actually propelled her throughout her many transformations. And when she explains this, she really gets going. Part of having ADHD is that you hyper-focus on things, which makes you feel like you have this superpower and it's fun because I keep thinking about well what's next adding to my coolness factor I was a musician in in high school and I think there was part of me that thought I was going to become a symphony musician and then I kind of got to college and realized like no no that's not like what I want to do so I ended up with a degree in sociology Um, I graduated worked for a bike company for a couple of years while I like tried to like make it as a professional cyclist which did not work and then I moved to Hawaii and I took this job where we launched this nightlife website and literally it was my job to part for a living like I have stories of like girls vomiting in my little purses like my little clutch that I would carry around. like I mean I lived this like insane party lifestyle I worked from like 8 p.m. to 3 a.m. and then uh, worked in the marketing department of a newspaper and I started to to be able to write small things here and there and then I like moved to Florida and start working you know as a journalist and then get into investigative work and do a Netflix documentary about these wrongfully convicted men and have this whole chapter of doing you know investigative journalism this is complicated sorry (laughs) because I'm all over the place okay so part of the story is that I like seem to have this weird thing in my life where every three to four years I completely reinvent myself in some way that kind of nobody saw coming not even myself and I think, again, it comes back to that ADHD hyper-focus, like, what's the worst that could happen? Like, clearly I can do this because, like, I can do anything if I can fucking focus. I don't know. I guess I just assume that, like, you know, I can do it. Why not? Part of AC's wanderings were due to the fact that her husband, Chris, works for the National Park Service, where moving up the career ladder often means moving to a new place. This is how, in 2012... They ended up in southwest Florida, where AC began working for a newspaper. While researching a story about migrant farm workers, she was stricken by the injustices in commercial agriculture. And just like that, a seed was planted in her mind that would eventually grow into her and Chris buying their own farm. I was 
so taken aback by the cruelty within our food system. There's a lot of abuse that happens within these communities where some people have very, very little power and some people some people have a lot of power, right? The laborers were trying to negotiate for a penny per pound raise, which would have been $2. And the big supermarket chains were stonewalling them and saying, absolutely not. And I realized that plant-based food is not necessarily cruelty-free because humans are part of our food system. And so I realized that I wanted to excuse myself from that food system in any way I could. And so an easy way for me to do that at first in South Florida was to start a little container garden on our patio. AC and Chris started small, growing veggies like kale in three raised beds. It wasn't much, but it gave AC a huge sense of pride and confidence that she could manage more than a few boxes of dirt in the backyard. So when her husband got a job opportunity in Tennessee in 2016, AC saw it as a chance for them to go much bigger. Originally, we were looking for 10 acres and a house, which would be enough for two horses and some chickens and a garden. That would have definitely satisfied my like farm girl needs. And like, it actually is surprisingly hard to find all of those things, especially when you're in a couple and you both have opinions. We looked for quite a while, maybe like 18 months or so. And I saw, you know, this place and there was like one little drawback, which is that it was 45 acres, not 10 acres. I mean, what's 45 acres if you're going to buy 10? The answer is it's totally fucking different. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the farm was AC's childhood dreams come true. They soon had chickens and a herd of cattle, three horses, plus a large home garden and a honey operation. She was ecstatic. But of course, running a farm proved to be exceedingly difficult and very stressful because of all the work and the millions of things they didn't know how to do and the fact that Chris still had a full-time job and AC was still a very active freelance writer but also for reasons that AC didn't expect. Among them was that providing her food exacerbated struggles that AC has always had with eating and her body. I don't know that there is any way in this lifetime that I unfuck my relationship with food. So I was like a bit of a chubby kid. I can remember going to the doctor and being told that I should exercise more um, or like, you know, watch my diet or whatever being a little little kid already hearing diet talk and conversations about you know what kinds of bodies are okay and not okay probably from three four five years old I was hearing those conversations so it's so deeply ingrained with me in in, in me and so much so that like this this ends up you know ending in a full-blown eating disorder in in college but so I've come really far from that But I don't know that I will ever, like, just, like, sit down and enjoy a meal and not think about, like, is this too much? Should I have eaten that? Should I have not? Now, getting older, it's not only that, like, you know, I shouldn't have eaten that thing. Like, now it's also, like, my face has wrinkles, right? Like, it's just, like, oh, no, it's compounding. (laughs) So, um, I don't know. Maybe, Maybe someday I'll figure it out. But I'm so critical still, right? Like, a few weeks ago, like, posted a photo on like Instagram or whatever and I like had this moment where I was like oh no like my left arm is is not toned enough and my right arm is too toned (laughs) like that's not a thing (laughs) there was another struggle that AC faced that was even bigger and it was the simple fact that she was getting older approaching 40 
which meant that one major window of opportunity in her life was starting to close. And there are a lot of cultural expectations that are just really hard to live with as a woman. I am trying to age gracefully in terms of, you know, like not Botoxing myself to the high heavens and, you know, wearing like super, super crazy mini skirts is like a like act of like needing to like stay 22 forever. But the one that like gets you at 35, if you haven't had kids and want to have kids, is that like you're losing your chance. This is such a thing that nobody really talks about. You spend the first 25 years of your life being so afraid of getting pregnant and having it like drilled into your head that like that's like the worst possible thing that could happen to you. And then you spend like the years 35 through like 42 being like, oh shit, I'm never going to get pregnant, right? And so really, you know, at 35, it's just like, it's like a switch flipped. And it just like was one of those things where I was like, fuck, like I really need to just like, do this thing. I think that you just kind of wake up one day and they're like, oh, this may or may not happen for me. And that is surprisingly grief inducing. Even for like someone like me who spent a lot of time not being sure they wanted kids, just realizing that the window was shutting is is hard. The more and more I watched kind of the opportunity starting to vanish, the more I just felt kind of sadder and sadder about it. In her feature essay for Outside, AC wrote that for her 37th birthday, she begged Chris to let her get a few sheep. The farm had always been her dream, not his, and he felt that they were already spread too thin with everything they were managing. But AC needed something soft in her life. What she didn't know then is that raising sheep would help her understand both what she was really after and which she had the capacity to give. I asked for sheep, and I got sheep. But I think what I really wanted was clarity on what I should do. That has been the thing that I have wished for for a long time. Hey! Hi, girls! But that is the kind of thing you can't ask for for your birthday. On her 37th birthday, journalist and farmer A.C. Shilton got what she asked for. Sheep. Five sheep, two ewes, which are female sheep, two weathers, or castrated males, and one ram. The idea was that they would get here, the ram would breed with the ewes, and then this was going to be spring, so I would have fall lambs. And that was, that was a plan. And then, you know, these, these sheep would, you know, become the beginning of, of my little flock. Right away... Things went sideways. The first couple of days with these sheep was absolute chaos. I had been promised these sheep were trained to hotwire, which is what I use like electric fencing to move my animals around my farm. And they were not trained to hotwire. Like literally the first three days, it's just like the sheep getting out and going rogue. And my husband is like so not amused by like any of the sheep antics. The sheep were escape artists, which meant AC spent three days running around the 45-acre farm herding hoofed clouds. And then on only their fourth day on the farm, AC looked up from her desk inside her house out toward the fields and saw two small white poofs next to one of the ewes, which AC had named Beatrice. I walk out there and sure enough, there are two baby lambs that are like brand new, just minutes old, still slimy. And I'm like, well, shit, we have lambs. As I'm standing there, you know, Beatrice starts working on a third lamb. 
and then this this little tiny 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 thing is born and it's just so weak and so little i mean it was maybe half of the size as the other two and it just seemed like cosmically unfair that like this one had so gotten so much less nutrition in the womb than the other ones and there's like all this like amniotic fluid in her nose and her mouth and she just clearly is not breathing and normally the you would turn around and start licking her and kind of you know invigorating her and getting her cleaned up but Beatrice had two other babies and she was totally engrossed in those two and they were up in nursing and healthy and ready to go and then there's like there's just this one that just is like so not bound for this planet I had to like try and do something, right? I'm not just going to like sit there and watch it die. I'm able to clean it up. I it did, you know, kind of sputters to life, but it's so, so weak and she couldn't stand to nurse. So I ended up, you know, having to bottle feed her. Meaning that AC had to race to the farm supply store in her Ford pickup to buy powdered milk, then wake up every two hours at night to give the lamb milk and try and coax her to her feet. Finally, at dawn the next morning, the lamb took her first steps. And then... Two days later, literally the same scenario, right? Like I finished my day at work and I'm like, ah, what a good day at work. It's beautiful outside. I'm going to go walk outside and do some nice farm chores. And I like walk outside and I'm like, well, fuck, because there's two more baby sheep on the ground. The other you named nurse had given birth. There were two lambs this time, both of them good size. But after AC carried them into the barn, she noticed that one couldn't stand and that it had a wound running the length of its back. She once again jumped into her pickup this time racing to the vet who diagnosed the lamb with a condition called spina bifida. Its back legs would likely never function. Uh, boy, I like went out to my car and I just cried. And I cried some more. I cried, you know, for this lamb that was in for a really tough road. And for myself, because I was also in for a really tough road. And I hate like, you know, just, I just felt like I'd made such a giant mistake on all of it. And like, all of it being like, you know, the lambs, the farm, possibly my marriage, which was like exploding because like I had made this choice that had made us both so like at loggerheads. So, you know, I just just I did a big, big fat cry in the parking lot before I turned around and headed home. AC decided she was going to give the lamb its best chance for a fruitful life. She named him Sebastian, sometimes shortened to Sebi. The undersized lamb that had been born two days earlier, she called Juliet, and it also needed extra attention. Juliet had been born with weak front tendons, her legs bowing like a cowboy. Every morning I would wrap her legs in these little splints and she would kind of toddle around on them. And then every night I would take them off for a little bit to give her a chance to have a break. And her her legs just go right back to the same position. And it was incredibly frustrating because every resource I read was like, mm, two weeks in the splints and they'll be fine. And like two weeks in the splints and she was exactly the same. AC took Juliet and Sebastian to the veterinary program at the University of Tennessee for specialized care. The vets there fitted Juliet with lifted shoes that elevated her heels into the correct position. And that worked wonderfully for her, actually. She was so cute. She was like a little a little um, tap dancer with her little funny shoes on, just trotting around. She just blossomed. She could run, she could play, she she could hop. It was just, it was such a joy to watch after her, watching her lumber around in these braces that I was making for her. And then like when she didn't have those on, walking on her knees. The vets told AC that with some time in the special shoes and the bottle feeding and lots of careful attention, Juliet would be fine in a few weeks. 
Sebastian was a different story. They had no idea really what to expect with him. But they did say, you know, when he's ready, we often do fit animals to carts and we're happy to try and help him with that when he's full grown. But they also warned me that often with spina bifida, there are malformations in the skull that they can't really see and they don't know how it's going to affect the lamb as it grows. And so they warned me that there could be other internal damage that would end up ending his life, but that, that they couldn't predict what that would look like. AC knew that many farmers would have looked at Juliet and Sebastian when they were born, weak, damaged, and unable to stand, and decided that the extreme amount of work just to keep them alive wasn't worth it. But AC Shilton is not like most farmers, and these lambs were more to her than just farm animals. Both of them were bright-eyed and engaged with each other and with me. Neither one of them ever seemed to be giving off cues of like, this is this is too hard, right? And so, I don't know, I just like think about the people who have not given up on me, right? Like, I mean, I just think about like all of the chances I've been given, like why not give him the chance? And I realized like the logistics of it were insane. I was going to at some point have to lift a 150 pound lamb or sheep, you know, in and out of a wheelchair. But I also, you know, I'm able to figure out like a lot of stuff. Like I like look at all the things I've done. You know, I've been able to like do all of these things. Clearly I could figure out how to give this lamb a life. And, you know, I think part of it is I just needed to care for something. And here were these two lambs that deeply needed my care. And I was up to the challenge. Sometimes we just like need to be needed. And these lambs so needed me. And I needed to need, you know, to, to, to be needed. I needed to be a lamb mom, right? I know, and I know that like people are gonna roll their eyes and be like, lamb mom, oh my god, like that's not a real mother, right? Like, ah, oh god, I, I can't fucking stand it when people are like, you know, pet kids are not the same as kids, right? I fucking get it. I may not get to have kids. Let me have this thing. Like, not everybody gets to live their dream life, but we can find small things that bring us joy and. This was it for me. AC cared for Juliet and Sebastian inside her home, doing physical therapy with Sebastian in an attempt to strengthen his hind legs. But it became clear that he was never going to be able to walk on his own. And then one day, in April of 2021, his cart arrived. Good job, buddy. Good job. Oh, look at you. You trying. You know, like I put him in it. And immediately he was like, this is amazing, mom. He was like, this is so cool. Just immediately was like, I can stand. Oh boy. I let go of like the cart for literally a second. And he is just off. He is just running. And he just like down my little asphalt driveway, like the cracks and all, he's just bumping over it all. And Juliet is like right, like right in tow. Like the two of them are like finally doing like things that they've like wanted to do since the day they are born. And like, oh my gosh, it was just, it was just awesome. That truly was an incredible moment. Only to, only to be followed by a horrible moment. After Sebastian and Juliet had run themselves out, they collapsed with joy along AC in the grass. And he just starts seizing. It just, just out of nowhere, it's like his little body just started shaking. 
this like rigid shake shake that like just wouldn't stop and I just scoop him up and I hold him against me he had had little tremors before but nothing like this and and it just like would not stop he finally like relaxed but his little eyes closed and he was just doing this this heavy snoring it was like I couldn't wake him up and I was just holding him and there was nothing to be done at that point and so I scooped up Juliet you know I, I took them both back to our barn and uh just the three of us kind of bed down in the stall and I just you know I just kept hoping that somebody was needed to sleep it off right like it had just been uh, just a terrible seizure but he was gonna sleep it off and tomorrow he was gonna be fine and at some point in the middle of the night I woke up um and he was just gone Sebastian's death was, and still is, a crushing blow for A.C., but Juliet was still there and still needed A.C.'s help. Because Juliet had spent her early weeks mostly indoors, away from other sheep, she wasn't properly socialized. A.C. says she acted like a mix of a person and a dog, so even after she was ready to stop wearing her special shoes, there was work to do. Integrating her into the flock proved to be almost as difficult as getting her little legs to work, but with time and persistence, the other sheep eventually accepted her. Is there something that Sebastian has taught you about how we view our bodies, and is there something maybe both he and Juliet have taught you about loving? Absolutely. What Sebastian taught me is that, like, we don't necessarily get the bodies we want or the bodies we deserve. A lot of this is just luck of the draw and a lot of it is cosmically unfair. But that doesn't necessarily mean that your life is going to be shit. Sebastian's life was hard, for sure. I know he wanted to walk so badly. This is It was a really bad hand that he was dealt. But that little guy, I swear, he just, he loved to lay in the sun. He loved to nuzzle with his sister. He, you know, was going to try his darndest to walk. And when he got a chance, he ran. And I think, like, you know, my body's not going to do everything I want it to do. And that's just part of life. But it can also do a lot of other things. And that's, sometimes that just has to be out. Shortly before AC's essay was published, she and Chris separated. This isn't something that AC is ready to talk about, but she is very forthright about what being a lamb mom has meant to her. The thing that I kind of think about with this is that, like, it gave me exactly what I needed in, like, the worst possible way, but at the same time, like, the best possible way. It was, (laughs) like, the universe handing down, like, this giant fuck you, but also... This is going to make you think so deeply about, like, what you want and what you're going to do if, like, what you want is actually not attainable and how you're going to cope. I am very, very capable of deep and powerful love and care for something. And so I think if I had had a question about, like, whether motherhood was right for me, this for sure answered that question. Yes, indeed, I would love this very much. And in some ways, that's hard because I don't know if I'm going to get that, right? But it also taught me that, like, there are lots of ways to mother. And they might not not always look like the ways... Ooh, sorry. They they might not look how you expect them to look. Ooh, 
so, you know, I may have to, I may have to change the way my, you know, the way motherhood looks for me might be different than what I want it to be. But that doesn't mean that I won't be able to experience it at all. It's just going to be different. And that's hard, but it's a good lesson to learn. And so I'm still figuring that piece of it out. But, I, you know, I'm grateful that these sheep kind of showed me that there's more than one way to be a mother. That was journalist A.C. Shilton speaking with producer Patty O'Connell about her story for Outside Magazine's September-October issue. You can read it on our website, Outside Online. And you can follow AC on Twitter. She's at AC Shilton. This episode was produced by Patty and edited by me, Michael Roberts. Music by Robbie Carver. This episode was made possible by our Outside Plus members. Learn about all the benefits of membership like free access to the premium Gaia GPS app at outsideonline.com slash pod plus. Right now, we're offering a 50% discount to new members.